Okay, uh, <clears throat> welcome back to the BND Banker Next Door podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. A uh, lot going on, a lot happening this week in the banking world. Uh, we just got done the Jackson Hole uh, Summit out in Wyoming, where uh, Jeremy Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, had a chance to speak and basically said a lot of things in there, but really looking at, at potentially increasing interest rates further in the next couple of months ahead. We're going to have to basically keep an eye on that and see how that continues to unfold. I am planning on doing a uh, podcast episode here in the next uh, few episodes. It'll basically be wrapped around uh, interest rates. and I'm going to break down kind of the consumer side, business side, uh, how those different interest rates affect you in different ways and different things that you do in your life and uh, and what is really primarily driving a lot of those interest rates. But uh, but the topic of today is basically going to be about BRICS. A uh, major, major thing happened this week. Uh, we had the, the BRICS conference uh, over in Africa, and I want to share some things with everyone here. So we had this uh, major BRICS conference in, in Africa, and basically what happened was uh, six other countries were now invited to join BRICS. Now, BRICS is not something new. BRICS has been around for a long time. Uh, if we could scroll down here. So what uh, encompasses BRICS? So BRICS basically is encompassed of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. So, and, and then basically they decided to invite uh, six other countries, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and a few others uh, to come in and join this. Now, why does this matter? Why is this important? Well, ultimately what BRICS is looking to do is to bring in a currency that will rival the U.S. dollar as the, as the basically the reserve currency for the world. Um, that's a major, major development, something that uh, most of us have not seen or experienced in our lifetime. Um, I know for me, you know, being in my 40s, uh, the U.S. has always been the supreme power in the world. The, uh, the U.S. dollar has always been the reserve currency of the world. Uh, and that would be a major, major shock to to the U.S. economy, to to, you know, the global economy for the U.S. to lose. Uh, that reserve currency status. But so what do we have here? We have the BRICS nations, which have gotten together, which right now account for about 43% of the world's population. And if these uh, additional countries get into the mix here, I mean, we could get to a, a place where, you know, roughly about 60% of the world's population would now be covered under this uh, BRICS group. So why is this happening? Like why, you know, why all of a sudden, you know, why is, why are these BRICS nations coming together basically saying, hey, you know, we want to form our own currency, uh, potentially being backed by gold to rival the U.S. dollar. Why, why is that happening? Well, it's happening for a number of reasons. I'm going to go in here. So on August 1st, we basically had Finch downgraded the U.S. credit rating. Uh, and why did they downgrade? Well, was this was so just to read from this article here from the Wall Street Journal. So the downgrade, the first by a major rating firm in more than a decade, is evidence that increasingly frequent political skirmishes among the U.S. government's finances are clouding the outlook for the $25 trillion global market for treasuries. Fitch ratings on the U.S. now stands at AA+, one notch below the top AAA grade. So that's a major. So in other words, what is happening there is the, the spending in the U.S. is basically out of control. Our debt spending is out of control by the government. And we have to do something to rein this in. And, and what is ultimately happening is as our debt is ballooning, 
the U.S. is in is um, exporting inflation to these other countries. Uh, that is making it very difficult on these other countries. Their their purchasing powers is dramatically de- decreasing in certain senses, and so the. These countries are very upset right now with the U.S. They're basically saying, hey, you know, you guys got to get your spending under control. You're exporting all this inflation to us. And, you know, maybe and, and this has been going on for decades. And, you know, maybe it's time for us to seek another alternative. So you've had the U.S. debt downgrade. Now I want to show you something really interesting. So this is this here is the U.S. debt clock. And we can see here at the top left hand corner here, the U.S. national debt currently stands at thirty two trillion dollars. Now, that does not include um, what's called un, you know unfunded liabilities, which are basically, you know, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, if we if we, you know, tack that in, you can see a little bit further down here if I can point to it. So U.S. total debt. $102 trillion, uh, just massive, massive uh, amounts of debt. And and right now, doesn't really look like there's any end in sight to this. Uh, the way that basically the, the spending is going, um, you know, you're going to be looking at a, a national debt of, you know, $40 trillion, $50 trillion here in the next, you know, seven, eight, 10 years. Uh, and that's the, that's the real concern of these other countries. Like, can we get our debt spending under control? Can we get the inflation under control? And so and I want to skip over here because I wanted to show this. So this is from a Federal Reserve, a Kansas City uh, Federal Reserve paper uh, that basically looked at the exporting of inflation from the U.S. to other countries. And what I want to point out here for everyone to see, and then again, this is just an example. I was just trying to give some food for thought. So you can see here. U.S. Ex- export inflation average is in blue. U.S. export inflation average is in in basically for, for 2012 and then 2021. And you could just see here how this has just dramatically ballooned for some of these countries. I mean, Canada, Chile, Singapore, uh, Mexico, not too bad, but then Euro area. So you could see here how dramatic this is. You, you know, we we you know when we in when we basically export our inflation onto these other countries, it dramatically increases the cost of of what they're trying to do, and that puts a lot of pressure on these countries. And so basically, they're saying, "Hey, if there is an alternative to the U.S. dollar out there, we're going to try to jump on this thing and uh, and see if we can use that to to make our economies a little bit better, a little bit stronger." So. You know, again, I think there's a lot of people in the U.S. right now. If you're if you're watching a lot of the the mainstream, you know, if you're you know Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, things like that, I'm sure a lot of them would sit there and kind of say, "Oh, hey, nothing to really worry about here. This couldn't happen." Um, I don't know. Ten ten years ago, I would have said I would have agreed with that. I would have uh, that assessment. I basically would have said, "Yeah, this is impossible. This this can't happen." Um, now I'm, I, I'm really honestly not, not so sure. Um, you know, some of the data points that we could look at is, is, you know, when the, um, petrodollar was created, in other words, the number of purchases of oil around the world by a lot of different countries always being used in us dollar to purchase oil. Um, that percentage of those transactions has really decreased. I mean, you know, whereas the U S was, uh, maybe around 80 to 90 percent of those transactions were in U.S. dollars. They're now down to probably 60 something percent in there. Um, but you're just seeing that use of the U.S. dollar just slip away. And, and the real question is, well, what happens if that gets below 50 percent? You know, then then what are we looking at? Um, so I just really wanted, you know, this was, again, just something really major happening, you know, this week with 
with the BRICS nations coming together here and, and not only coming together, not only talking about what they wanted to do on a global stage, but also just inviting these other countries in uh, that basically all said yes, that they're willing to join and they're going to become members, I think, as of January 2024. Um you know, this seems to be a group that's picking up a lot of steam and a lot of momentum. And if uh, if basically if if we as the U.S. can't really get our debt spending under control, um, you could see how these countries will continue to just, you know, get together in this group and continue moving that forward. Um, but uh, aside from that, a couple other things uh, going on. I had some some great things in the works here, some uh, additional other podcasts coming in. Uh, a lot of other topics I'm working on at the moment. Uh, I would like to make a quick recommendation. I just got done, finished reading a book called uh, Chip War. And uh, this book uh, was written by Chris Miller. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic book. Really goes over the history of the semiconductor. Uh, really gets into the creation of what we now know is, is microchips and uh, the history of that. Starting back, you know, World War II, right after World War II. Um you know, the founding of, of companies like Texas Instruments and uh, Fairchild Semiconductor, and then, you know, moving all the way up to the present day with Intel and, you know, Apple, Google, um, uh, TSMC and NVIDIA and a lot of other companies that are, are currently in the news for a lot of what's going on with AI and the, and the different semiconductor chips, which are being built for AI. But, uh, but just an absolutely fantastic book, absolutely fantastic read. If you really want to understand uh, the semiconductor industry, kind of what's happening there today, what's going on, and how that affects our our lives and everything that we're doing, everything from and and especially in the the tech world. I mean, everything from data centers to computers to cell phones, um, you know, handheld devices, uh, everything that we use on a, on a daily basis is affected by the semiconductor industry and the microchips that uh, power these machines. So again, excellent read. Uh, I would, you know, I might, I might go into, um, you know, a deeper dive or a deeper review on this book. Uh, I haven't quite decided on that yet, but we'll, uh, we'll take a look on that. But, uh, but yeah, but hope everyone, uh, hope everyone has a, uh, has a great day and uh, joins us back in here. And again, the bricks is something we're really going to keep an eye on and see how that continues to unfold in the, in the months and the year ahead. So thanks a lot. Hope you guys have a great day and hope to see you again real soon. Thanks.